On this episode of the Culture Pop Podcast, we talk about the Golden Globe Awards and my friend and former stand-up Sue Kalinske, not a fan of Gerard Carmichael, who was the host. Plus, actor Kelly Giddis joins us to talk about her 12-year run on NBC's Law & Order SVU. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and at stevemason.com. And don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. The Culture Pop Podcast is brought to you by the law offices of Jacob Imrani. Accident or injury, call Jacob Imrani, call Jacob. Hey, it's Mace. If you or a friend or loved one is injured in an accident, the first person you should call is my friend Jacob. When I did this, Jacob was great. He helped me by talking through the next steps, which really put my mind at ease. When you're injured in an accident, you got to have an expert. That's why you call Jacob, just like I did. Call Jacob, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or visit calljacob.com. Call Jacob. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason, along with Sue Kalinsky, great guest today, Kelly Giddish, who just wrapped up a long run on Law & Order SVU. Sue, how you doing? I'm doing swell. So I'm curious from you in particular, we're, we're going to talk some Golden Globes. What did you think of Gerard Carmichael as the host, the comic who did the Golden Globes? I'll sum it up this way. Okay. It was an arrogant, meandering mess. Really? Really. I just felt that he so did not belong on that stage. Wow. He he could have, because of the message that he was conveying up top. Yes. But I feel like his approach was so, it was like, it was pompous and it was just, he just, I mean, he was telling an audience of A-list veteran talent. Yes. To shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He kept on trying to hush the crowd in a way that was so, uh, it was so disrespectful. And some of the jokes that he did were heinous. I mean, his Whitney Houston joke. Yeah, I that's mean, rough. I, that's I, a rough joke. I mean, yeah, I, that's I, not I, a joke I, even. It, it's not a joke. And, you know, I, I'll be shocked if, uh, you know, the, the, Hilt, the Beverly Hilton doesn't, you know, like, you know, sue him for slander. So um, what did you think of the Scientology joke? I didn't like the sci- Scientology oh, joke. Oh, I thought it was a good joke. I didn't like it because of. I didn't like it because of the placement of where it was. Oh, okay. I thought it was really, really rude as he was gonna as he was gonna introduce two stars of Top Gun Maverick. I mean, it oh, was like was that when it was? Yes, that's when it was. Wow, I didn't realize that. And you know, like boasting about how much money he made. You know, it's like five hundred grand if he made that much money. He didn't make that much money for that job. Well, well, whatever. I mean, just the fact that he said that he made that, he should give it back. <laughs> <laughs> and it and it seemed. And then like all the wardrobe changes. I mean, he did have that? a lot of wardrobe changes. I mean, he had more wardrobe changes than share. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was crazy. 
And, you know, the audience was talking a lot, first of all. Well, at the Golden it's, Globes, it's, just. It's not your conventional award show. Correct. And everybody it's, ignores the host, and he was trying to get their attention, right. not just for him, but for the presenters and for everybody else. So it's hard right. to, to manage that room. But he was not playing for the TV audience. You know, I, like as soon as as soon as, the, you know, the show ended, I was thinking it, it was like he was doing a late night set at a, at a shitty club, hmm. you know, um, it was like he had the check spot the entire show, like he could not get the audience back. And for people who don't know what the check spot is as a comedian, if you're the headliner of a show, the check comes towards the end of your set. And that's usually the most difficult time during your set because people aren't paying attention. And I thought he had the check spot the entire show because as soon as he told them to shut the fuck up or shut up, he lost them. He just lost them. And he, he, like I said, I, I just, I just didn't think he belonged, you know? Interesting. Interesting. So from the perspective, do you think that's a common perspective? amongst like comedians oh yeah oh really all over facebook you've heard from oh i've read all over facebook everybody was um everybody had the same sentiment as me Mm. Mm. yeah i i thought it was odd i thought it was an odd monologue i thought the jokes were aggressive is that fair to say they're really they really pushed it yeah, they pushed it, but like, you know, Ricky Gervais pushed it. You know, that that's what Ricky Gervais does. But Ricky Gervais is really funny. He would never ever come out with a joke like 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 a Whitney Houston joke, you know? Now I thought you have a friend that wrote on the Golden Globes, right? Yes. Did she say oh it's Carol Leifer, did she say anything about the way it worked? No, actually, I haven't talked to her. She she wasn't there for the taping because she's back working on Curb. So she just wrote over the weekend. So she wasn't there for any pre-show or show Got activity. It. Yeah. So I haven't talked to her yet, but I'm very curious, actually, to find out how she thought it went. But, wh- you know, my feeling is that I'm kind of surprised that the whoever the producers were of the show, how they, you know, because usually when you work on an award show or or any show, um, you know, you have to get certain things past people. Yeah, right. And I just can't believe that those jokes were allowed to go through. Now, he isn't such a big star that he would say, you know, like like Ricky Gervais. I mean, nobody tells Ricky Gervais what to do, what to say. Someone like Gerard Carmichael, you know, he doesn't really fall into that league. Yeah. So I, I'm just surprised that um, some of the jokes went through. Okay. Uh, Big thumbs down on Gerard Carmichael. But, um, but I mean, there were um, standout um, moments for me. There definitely were. There definitely I were. I mean, Jennifer so, Coolidge was just... Hilarious. I mean, both things. You know, her speech about not wanting to present was hysterical. <laughs> and then her acceptance speech was hysterical. Um, uh, Kiwi Kwan, his acceptance speech for Best Supporting Actor, just was so moving and mm-hmm. so cool. He's been on the show. You know, he played a character named Short Round in Indiana Jones. I think it's Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. And then his career just sort of 
faded out. He did the Goonies, I think. And then, and then he couldn't get work. And, you know, he said it was terrible to think when he was nine years old or whatever it was that he had hit his peak, that that was, that was his peak and everything was downhill. And here he is winning the uh, Golden Globe and ultimately, I think, winning the Oscar. Uh, it's an amazing personal story, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. I thought uh, Natasha Leon, um, oh, that she was, she totally killed it. I thought uh, Regina Hall was great. She was, yeah. Um, and I love that um, Colin Farrell is probably the first time any actor ever thanked a donkey. Yeah, that's his right. Speech. That's right. Which I love that he did because that that donkey, you know, was was just so heartwarming throughout that movie. I yeah, mean, he was, really was. He was one of my favorite characters in the movie. Yes, yes. Uh, let's um, not spoil what happens to that poor donkey. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. Um, hey, so what did you think of Eddie Murphy's joke about Will Smith? I thought it was funny. I th- I thought it was awesome. It was partly the setup. It's like number one, pay your taxes. Number two, mind your business. Number three, keep Will Smith's wife's name out of your motherfucking mouth. Was a, just a killer joke. It was great because you didn't see it coming. No, not no, because it was like I'm giving advice to young, yes. and and then out of nowhere comes the joke. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was great. What it did you great. think of the uh, the winners? Best motion picture drama was The Fablemans. Um, I, I, you didn't dig I, the Fablemans. I, it's not, you know, it's not that I didn't dig it. I thought it was a lovely movie. I just, I don't know. I guess I just didn't, I didn't like it as much as I wanted to like it. And, you know, it's Spielberg. So, you know, he, I don't know. He get, he, he gets a lot from being Spielberg. Yes, he does. And this you is know? his personal story. So yes. Yes, I, I think that's one of the reasons. All right, so best motion picture comedy or musical? It was the Banshees of Inisherin. What do you think of that decision? Um, you know, I actually thought I watched Triangle of Sadness. Oh yeah, how was it? It was great. Yeah, it's on my list to watch. It's uh, it's streaming now. Yeah. So. I mean, I like the fact that the Ban- Banshees of in Sharon won um, Best Screenplay. Yeah. Because um, I thought the screenplay was really great. But Triangle of Sadness, I, I don't know. I, I may have picked that one. Interesting. Yeah, because it it's so I, different. I did not like Banshees of Inisherin. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I thought it was, I mean, just, just in a word, grisly. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I, think, I think barring chopping fingers off. It was an interesting movie. The idea of breaking up with a friend, but yes. the finger thing totally, totally yeah. took me out. Yes. Of it. Yes. I, I agree. I love the concept because when I saw the trailer, I thought, Oh, this is going to be a really fun movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to dedicate the opening of today's culture pop podcast to Gerard Carmichael. I hope he doesn't listen. <laughs> well, uh, I, he does. Maybe he'll learn something. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh. Um, all right, let's jump in. Our guest today just wrapped up a run of 12 years on NBC's hit Law & Order SVU. Her character, Amanda Rollins, was a mainstay on the series. Kelly Giddish joins us. Kelly, thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So first and foremost, congratulations on just an amazing run on one of television's 
biggest hits. You were a, a, an unbelievably memorable character. I'm a big fan of the show. So congratulations. Well, thank you so much. Thanks. I, I had no idea I would be there for 12 years, but it was a great, great run. And I was really, really grateful now that the I've, I've done my last episode and it's aired and everything. I'm really grateful to, to look back and go, wow, I, I really loved playing Amanda Rollins for all those years. You know, I wanted to ask you something because um, I saw that I actually watched the first episode you ever did when you played oh, no. a different. When, no, but when you played a different character. Oh, right. Which is kind of a rare thing to play a different character and then come on the show years later as somebody different. Right. It, although it did happen with uh, Peter Scanavino as well. I think he oh. played. He, I, I think he played a bad guy, and I played a bad guy, bad guy on um, Criminal Intent. So. Um, yeah, but it's, it's rare that, you know, you come on as one thing, but that was one of the, the joys, one of the great things about having Warren Light, um, at the helm there. He was the showrunner when I came in on season 13. Um, you know, you weren't counted out if you were good and you, you turned in a good performance, you know, whichever way it was, he, he remembered that. So I want to go back to the very beginning. What what was your original audition like for Amanda Rollins? And and then I mean a a decade over a decade is just a crazy run, right? Yeah, it is. It is. I had no idea, but actually, I, one of my first audition experiences there at Law and Order. You know, it's it's all the way at the at Chelsea Piers. That's where they, and that's about four blocks it's about a mile which in new york that's that's a while to walk especially sure. if it's you know 17 degrees and, and 30 miles an hour 30 mile an hour winds which it was and i wasn't auditioning for for amanda rollins i was i was in my probably early 20s and i i was auditioning for the role of probably prostitute number one or something <laughs> like that and i had on the shortest skirt and fake eyelashes and not dressed appropriately for this weather at all. And I got out of the subway and I was like, Oh crap. It's, it's like four more blocks. I have to walk to this audition. I had uh, fake eyelashes going everywhere. I was freezing by the time I got there. I did the audition, not memorable at all, but uh, then I, I, I left. I didn't get that role, <laughs> <laughs> but the audition process for, for Amanda Rollins, you know, I I had been on a show called Chase, um, a Jerry Bruckheimer produced show, and I was I was the lead on that in Texas, and it had just ended. We we had been, I think, SVU's lead in, or they were ours, one of the one of the two, um, you know, and that that ended after a full season, and I had gotten word that Chris Maloney was leaving SVU, and would I be interested in, in coming in and playing a detective? And seeing how that how that would work, and you know, I was living in California, just me and Franny, my dog, and a three bedroom house, and never never closed the the doors, like a total opposite of living in Manhattan. And, and I go, well, yeah, let's let's see. And so I went and met with the the higher ups and kind of talked, and then talked with Warren Light, um, and came in and and auditioned for the role, and and it was a uh, it was a test, as they call it. So Dick Wolf was there, and Warren, and um, the the scene itself was with Marushka. I don't know how many other people they tested. I think it was one. Um, but they said, "Oh, that's great!" You know, I did the I did the scene with Marushka, and they said, "Oh yeah, can you really can you really like?" I, 
forget the exact note, but it was like, can you really fight back with her? And I was like, yeah, no problem. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, I think it was, um, there were, it was a, it was great chemistry, you know, then, you know, they saw that I, I, you know, I was ready to, to throw down and, and, you know, I was, I was cool with whoever was there and whoever, you know, and I got the job. So that was, I moved, you know, I moved very quickly into back to New York with, with my little puppy. And, um, and I, I, I never thought that I was taking Chris Maloney's place, certainly. Um, and I never even thought about, you know, being his replacement because Danny Pino was, was the other part of the duo that kind of came in to replace him. So I felt like he had all the pressure (laughs) 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 and I could just play, um, which is kind of like how I, how I always felt, you know, I always felt like the young one at, at SVU. And I, I, I liked that. So, I mean, I know that you, you, you didn't take, you know, Chris Maloney, you know, his part, but what did it feel like coming onto a show that was such a well-oiled machine and you being a newbie, even though your audition was 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 great and I'm sure that was such a comfort for you you know to walk in and actually be on set but how was that it I mean honestly like when you're it was they were so supportive like because then it was uh Dan Florick he was the captain and Richard Belzer was there and Ice T which I had worked with before so um you know, they were all, they were all rooting for me and, and hoping for the very best. And, you know, and of course the, if you'll notice like over time, like whoever the new person is coming into the squad room always has all of the exposition. Yeah. yeah right, <laughs> they right. always have all the lines, you know, all that, all the, all the old guys are just sitting back, you know, watching this, this young actor take everything. So that was me for, for a year or two, probably, um, getting all the exposition out and I would just be like, Oh my God. Okay. Here we go. So on February 13th, you know, you know, I'd spit out all my lines, but it was, it was fun. I I felt really supported. Um, you know, and, and it helped having, having Belzer there who was hilarious. He was hilarious. And Dan, Dan Florick is one of the, is, I, I just, he's one of the most special people I've ever met. I, I love him to death and, you know, I still miss him. I want to just mention, <clears throat> excuse me, Richard Belzer, because I, I started my career as a stand-up comedian. So oh, when, wow, I fir- awesome. when I first started in New York, I uh, used to go to Catch a Rising Star all the time. And that's where Richard was the king of, of New York. So I met Richard when I was like 18 years old. And I've known oh, wow. him. I've known him my whole comedy career. So I wanted to ask you, did you ever see him do stand up? I didn't actually. I didn't. My, you know, and, and it's funny, like me coming to SVU, like my family was most excited about me working with Big Dick Belzer. You know, <laughs> I was like, really? Okay. Okay. My dad was like, yeah, yeah, he's great. He's great. He's great. Just, you know, he introduced some, some, something, some part of his standup routine was, you know, Big Dick Belzer. So I was like, hi, how are you? I'm Kelly. He's Big Dick Belzer. And he loved you for that. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was, but, but also he's just the heart, the heart, the size of Texas. And, um, it was so great to be able to sit around that set while they were there and him regal 
me and, and whoever else he was holding court for the stories, you know, that I'm sure you kind of bore witness to yourself, you know, firsthand there, but also just, you know, in the, in the old days of him being a standup and being Miles Davis's assistant. I mean, just like all kinds of crazy stuff. I absolutely adored when he would start, you know, holding court and I would listen, you know, I, I knew when to shut up and, and sit back and listen. So Amanda Rollins had some really gripping storylines. Uh, she came from a very dysfunctional family. Her dad was an alcoholic. How do you mean? Yeah, her dad, a gambling <laughs> addict. Um, and by the way, real life for me, my my dad was a heavy drinker and a gambling addict. So I, I identified, I would imagine a lot of people identified with Amanda Rollins' storylines. And, and did you hear from people like that? Yeah, I mean, I... You know, fans would always be like, "Oh my, yeah, why, why are you letting your sister back in?" Right. You know, just like random people on the street, and I'm like, <laughs> "Because, because I have to." You know, it's and in the script. Like, yeah, no, and it's like you know, we all have one. We all have we all have someone in our family that we're just like, ah, you know, like banging your head against the wall, and, and we we keep putting ourselves out there for them, and they, you know, something messes up and. You know, you know how it is. I think we all have have experiences like that in our in our our personal lives. So yeah, I mean, the response to to the storylines were very authentic, and um, and I, I treasured hearing from those people. Yeah. So, did you ever spend time with other detectives and go be in police stations and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah. Well, you know, I learned a lot. I, I learned a lot from um, from Mariska who had done a lot of the legwork and Warren. Um, and in terms of just like law enforcement, I, I spent so much time with us marshals uh, training for chase down in Texas that, you know, procedure is procedure, no matter where you are across the board, across whatever, whatever practice of law enforcement. So I felt like I had a really good base with that. And then, you know, in terms of interviewing survivors and and how how that interview process happens and you know how it's sporadic memory and it's not linear you know i mean it was we used to have have consultants come in and talk to us uh, that warren was enamored with or um or had been enlightened by and so we were we were very much interested in getting it right as a as a whole cast and and me in, in particular as well yeah so how hard was it leaving the show and what was the, that last day for you on the set? Like it was very emotional, very emotional. Um, it, I mean, I know, I know people say this all the time, but you see those people day in, day out for 12, 13, 14 hours for years and they've seen me go through so much. I've seen them go through so much, you know, crew, cast, everybody. And there's a shorthand, just like you have with a brother or sister or cousin or, or whatever. You have a shorthand with these people. And, and that's, it's hard to leave. It's, it's really, really hard to leave in a, in a, in a place where I'm comfortable and I feel like I'm doing good work and I'm doing, I'm doing productive work. I'm not, it's not just a procedural, you know, like you feel like you're doing something good you know, with your days. And so that, that's, it's hard to, it was hard to leave and it was hard to leave Peter and Mariska and Ice and, and Octavio, but the crew, the crew, especially as well. 
you know, watching your last episode, I couldn't help but think like, I mean, it really was it, it, you leaving really mirrored your life because you were leaving the show, you know, I mean, not everybody has that, you know, at, what I'm trying to say is that as, as an actor, everybody in that room kind of felt like a, like a, like a, it was kind of like a double whammy, I, I, I would say, you know, mm. because yeah. Anyway, so it, 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 so what, tell me about that because we had interviewed, um, Steve, what, what was his name from, um, uh, when Mark Harmon left, um, when Mark Harmon left, um, his show, um, NCI, uh, NCIS. Sean Murray, I think. Sean Murray, because we were talking to Sean Murray about when Mark Harmon left and his last scene with him and when he was hugging him goodbye and he was saying how, you know, it's not like he broke character. Like, yeah, he was really sick, but because he was really, really saying goodbye to him and he mm -hmm. knew he wasn't going to see him on the show anymore. Yeah. So I, I can yeah, I mean, imagine it that it felt so, it, it went so much deeper. Of course, of course. And, you know, it's, we, we had worked on a script for, for it to really reflect us, uh, Mar Mariska and I. Um, so those scenes were, you know, tailored to what we kind of wanted our characters to, to be able to say to each other before they left. So, um, you know, Mariska, she celebrates. She's such a great celebrator. And, you know, if someone leaves or if someone comes or, you know, she makes sure that you feel celebrated. And I was like, please, let's not do anything on my last day because I will be a puddle. Hmm. I can't. I, there's no way I can't hear. Here's a, here's, here's a cookie. Thanks for being here for 12 years. You know, it wasn't that kind of thing. It was just like, I can't. All of these people know what they mean to me. You know what I what you mean to me. Um, so, you know, but it was it was a very real feeling when it was just like, you know, I'm not going to see you every day anymore. That that hurts. It stings. So I went to your social media, and it is amazing the outpouring of love uh, for, for your character and for you as an actress. Uh, people are putting together. Uh, sort of mashups of your best scenes and their favorite scenes and all that. What has all that been like for you? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I love it. That's way beyond my abilities. First of all, the mashups. <laughs> so be, being able to see that is like, Oh my God, thank you guys so much. And I, it totally got me emotional. Like on, cause I don't usually watch the show live, but I, I did that last episode and watching all the, all this stuff come that people had put together. I was very, very, very moved and, um, certainly better than the alternative. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Nobody was celebrating. Like sayonara. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what now? Um, so what now I am, it's, it's a full-time job being a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And, um, I, they went to school and I allowed myself a two hour nap today. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Which isn't, which isn't normal, but, uh, right now I'm just, it, it, it was the perfect timing because of, I had the holidays and, um, and just to chill and be with my family. And now like the new year is up and we're gearing up and, you know, I, I, 
I'm talking, they have all meetings set and talking to people and thinking about what I want to do. And, you know, it's, it's a very exciting time and I'm not rushing into anything. So also on your social media, I see you tweeted out uh, Marcus Mumford's new song, Cannibal. Uh, and I am a huge Marcus Mumford. I just, I've seen him in concert. I've seen them in concert. Uh, I think four times, uh, Mm. Marcus Mumford, what, what him as a performer, what do you, what do you, what's your take on him? Do you know, do you know, my husband sent me that, um, and I was so moved by it Uh, just because I think Spielberg directed that. Um, Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah. And, and I was just, it like, I, I think I was getting ready that morning and my husband had sent me that and it just gutted me. Um, and he, he, as a performer and as an artist, I think is something, it, it is authentic and it's something that I respond to. It's, it's something that I think all of us naturally respond to, but that authentic, that true, that, um, like, I know this is messy and dark and I'm still going to. I'm still going to make a project out of it. I, I think, you know, these are words from my head and they need to be said and they need to be expressed and, you know, not caring who, who is out there receiving it. It's about expressing, you know, and I think anybody that does that, I, I really respect, you know, it's like not, not so much caring, you know, how, how, how the package is going to come out at the end. You know, yeah. if it's a little, me- you know what I mean? If it's yeah, a little sure. messy and dark, it's like, oh, thank you. You know, like this is authentic. And I, I said something wrong or maybe I, I said something insensitive and I've, you know, teach me how that was insensitive instead of like, you know, having your, you know, being so afraid that the finger is going to be pointed at you that you don't say it in the first place. The thing I love about him too, and going to see, I've seen, I've seen Mumford and Sons multiple times. Um, is that everybody in that concert seems to know every single <laughs> word of every single song, which is like a really cool f- feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're a big fan. I'm, I'm a big fan of Jason Isbell too. Um, I yeah. to see him and, and it's the same kind of feeling. Everybody there knows every single word and they're just there to hear it live, you know? And so wordsmiths, I like them. Yeah. So random question. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did a show called Past Life on Fox years ago. And I, yeah. I remember this show because I'm fascinated by the concept of reincarnation. Um, with the benefit of having done that, do you believe in reincarnation? Do you know, to prepare for that show, I went and had a past life regression done on myself. Really? Yeah, it was really cool in New York. Um, with Which weirdly at the time, it was a woman with like blonde hair, who was like maybe a year older than me. Like she looked like Dr. Kate. And again, you know, the character that I was playing, I was like, this is so funny, you know? Um, but I, you know, she, she was kind of like a stenographer for my dreams. Um, she led me through, you know, this regression and, and all these past lives that I had had. And so, you know, what came out, you know, I was, I was deep, under and like what had come out during that was very interesting to me. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't discount it. So what were you, so that, so I, I've never done anything like that. So did they tell you uh, what your past lives were? No, I mean, that- it, like she, it, it's very, it's very cool how, how it's, how it's done because, you know, like you, 
you kind of open a door and you look down and you kind of see what you're wearing and that tells you who you are and what kind of terrain you're walking on, you know, and all of a sudden this whole story just kind of unfolds. I think I was a, like an Alaskan boy at one point that had, that had, um, <laughs> that had, had just like betrayed his father who was like a, wow. a big shaman, shaman king of this native American got exiled from the tribe. And then I came back and it was, Oh my God. <laughs> it was great. It was great. Um, That's an elaborate story. That know, is really elaborate. No, like it's, 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 it was crazy. It was like, I was like, well, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, I mean, what, what am I going to do with that? I, I well, go to Alaska, go to Alaska and see if you can find your ancestors. I know. I know. <laughs> it's so cold there though. Yeah, it is cold. It is cold. <laughs> Uh, yeah, are you in New York right now? I am. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, and I used to live in New York. I it's suited to know how cold it can be. We uh, out here in sunny California have been in the midst of like torrential rains for a week, and more rain coming this weekend. So the weather, the weather thing has been crazy here. Yeah, it's 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 a sign. Of, I don't. I, I read about you guys, and I'm just like that is. The NG, as we would say on the SVU said, not good. NG. Yeah, not good. Not good. Um, <laughs> well, well, listen, we wanted to get you on because I'm a huge fan. We're huge fans of Law and Order SVU and uh, saw the final episode. And I thought I would, I would really like to talk to, to Kelly Giddish. So uh. after 12 years, congratulations on an amazing run. And we look forward to whatever, whatever you do next. I really appreciate that. Thank you. And there is Kelly Giddish. You know, I was thinking, Sue, as she was talking about her last episode, about our last show that we did together at uh, WNEW in New York. What do you remember of the last show we did? Um, I remember the guests. Oh, God, I don't remember the guests at all. It, it was Judy Gold and Mario Cantone. Oh, well, what a way to go off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, didn't we play songs? We for did. Each we other? chose a song for each other. Do you right. remember what you chose for me? Yeah, I chose that. I chose a Keith Richards song. <laughs> did you? I did. Yeah. I remember I went for you, Van Morrison, Tupelo Honey. Oh, that's yeah. so sweet. Yeah, that was. That was, oh. a, that was a nice run. We, we, we had so much fun doing that show. Although, really? yeah, I was a real asshole. For a period. <laughs> For a period. You weren't um, an asshole the whole time. It was it was great. I mean, it was what a fun, fun, fun experience to be on, you know, one of the like number one radio stations in New York. And it was iconic because I grew up there. I listened sure. to it when I was a kid. God, it was it was great. We had great, great guests. Yeah, it was yeah. fun. A lot it was of fun. always fun. Uh, well, thanks to Kelly Giddish. And seriously, 12 years is a long time to do a network TV show. So we wanted to get her on for that. Um, hey, don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and at stevemason.com. Don't forget, leave us a rating and a review. Sue, great seeing you. And we will see everybody next time on the Culture Pop Podcast.